0: Our reading this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 2 and Harriet's going to come on up and uh, read for us. Uh, Open your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 12 and going through to the end of the chapter. Thanks, Harriet.
1: So today's reading is found on page 289 of the Pew Bible. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men, They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, Before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, Let them burn the fat first, and then take as much as you wish, he would say, No, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offspring of the Lord with contempt. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with the linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked for the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, "'Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people.' "'No, my sons, it is not no good report "'that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. "'If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. "'But if someone sins against the Lord, "'who can intercede for him?' "'But they would not listen to the voice of their father, "'for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. "'Now the boys, Samuel, continued to grow "'both in stature and in favour with the Lord "'and also with man.' And there came a man of God to Eli, and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I command for my dwelling, and honour your sons above me by fashioning yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering to my people Israel? Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me. For those who honour me, I will honour and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then, in distress, you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out, to grieve his heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you both. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind and I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. And everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread, and and shall say, please put me in one of the priest's places that I may eat a morsel of bread.
0: Thanks, uh, Harriet. Let's bow in prayer again. Let's pray. Father, uh, help us in this time to know you better. Help us to see how you work in our lives and in this world. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Throughout this year, there's been a long line of corporations who have succumbed I'm going to suggest to greed. Just recently, there's been Qantas, and don't forget about Price, Waterhouse Cooper, who obviously have a culture of profits at all cost. Uh, Qantas CEO, Alan Joyce, uh, posted a company record profit of 2.47 billion in May but behind its historic turnaround lay its ruthless culture, a a culture which included allegedly selling tickets for flights that had already been cancelled, sacking ground staff, uh, 1,700 of them illegally, Uh, continually downgrading customer service, Uh, muscling up on government to fend off competition and dragging their feet on returning credit to customers. Uh, These corporations have been allowed to grow powerful, greedy and even unaccountable. They have a poor corporate culture which is focused on the aggressive pursuit of short-term profits. And we're left with the feeling of, hey, this isn't right, is it? And with questions of, what's really going on here? And those same questions are being asked about the priest and his sons here in 1 Samuel chapters 2 and 3. It was a time before the kings ruled. A time when everyone did pretty much whatever they liked, which meant that no one obeyed the Lord. A time when the rich and powerful in Israel were calling the shots, when ordinary people were being oppressed, brutalised, bullied, in a way that just cries out for what's going on here, surely not where the rod starts right at the top, well, with the priestly family, Eli and his sons. And if you'd lived there, you'd be longing for God to step in and do something about it. And God does do something. God establishes his prophet, who will appoint the Lord's king. God brings down the powerful and lifts up the humble. Now, as we start reading Samuel, I want to give you a couple of helpful tools so you can understand these books. You already know one tool. We talk about it often here, the tool of repetition. If it's said more than once, take note. It's important. The books of Samuel... As Josh told us last time, their history, and Josh said theological history, their historical narrative. But in the midst of this historical narrative, there are poems. The poems are at, well, the beginning of 1 Samuel, there's another poem at the beginning of 2 Samuel, and there's a third poem, actually, at the end of 2 Samuel. And these poems in Samuel help you understand the point of the stories. And so the poems are actually really important. The poems help keep us on track with the point. And Hannah's prayer, the poem at the start of Samuel starts by calling the Lord holy. I want you to open your Bibles, I want you to have a look, I want you to follow along here, where in 1 Samuel chapter two, I actually want you to look at verse two, "There is none holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you, there is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The Lord is holy, and we see his holiness portrayed most at the tabernacle. Where most of the accounts of Samuel have happened so far, the tabernacle, where in the past we've seen An account of a high priest, Aaron, and his sons ministering before the Lord. A family business, Aaron and sons. It was back in Leviticus. Only two sons though, Nadab and Abihu, they didn't treat the Lord as holy. And the fire of the Lord came out and they died which we need to keep in mind in these next episodes in Samuel's life with Eli, the old high priest in Shiloh and his wicked sons who don't treat the Lord as holy, Hophni and Phinehas, who will rip off people's sacrifices to have a barbecue with their mates, who sleep with the women who served at the tent of meeting and old Eli, even though he hears what his sons are doing is powerless to stop them have a look at chapter 2 verse 12. eli is an old man he's in charge who hannah has had dealings with in chapter 1 and his sons are absolutely rotten now The sons of Eli, verse 12, were worthless men. We know from chapter 1 that their names are Hophni and Phinehas. And Hophni and Phinehas, according to the end of verse 12, they did not know the Lord, meaning that they weren't trusting or honouring the Lord in any way. They just didn't seem to have a relationship with him. And then we get the details from verse 13 uh, about how the people offer a sacrifice and burn the fat in a pleasing aroma to the Lord and then roast the meat for their family celebration. And These wicked priests would send around their servants to collect the meat tax, a big three-pronged fork that they'd plunge into the pot and the priest would take some for himself. Verse 14, whatever the fork brought up, and it says, this is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Bad enough to treat the Israelites like that, but look at the next bit, because the priests, you see, well, in their gourmet ways, they're getting sick to death of boiled meat, and so they go one step further, Uh, I mean, this really looks back at Leviticus chapter 3, but it's verse 15 here. Even before the fat is burned, before, as in Leviticus chapter 3 tells us, the soothing aroma of God has happened. Before the end of the sacrifice, the servants are coming and saying, give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. He's planning a barbecue with his mates. And if the man says to him in verse 16, let them burn the fat first, which is how the ritual was to finish, and then take as much as you wish uh, as a way of saying, let me honor God with the aroma of the smoke before the priest rips me off. Well, the servant would say, no, you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Look, really, verse 17 sums it all up. This sin of the young men, that's Hophni and Phineas, was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. The Lord is weighing their actions and they're found to be worthless. Instead of treating the Lord as holy, they're treating the Lord with contempt. I want you to look back again at Hannah's prayer. Remember, the poetry actually tells us what's going on. The poetry helps keep us on track. Have a look at verses 9 and 10. Hannah says, he that's the Lord will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. And verse 10 even finishes with a king who will be part of the solution. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed when god's on side the battle doesn't belong to the mighty nor to the one with the official priestly status the priests of israel the guys entrusted with the spiritual welfare of the nation the holy men to make sacrifices to the Lord and to atone for the sins of the nation, well, they're none of that. They're wicked. Eli's sons. They're full of the choicest meat. You know, they're growing fat on I fillet while everybody else gets stewing steak. And Eli's sons are even worse than that. They are wicked men. But Hannah, in her prayer, verse 9, knows that God guards the feet of the faithful one, but the wicked, the wicked will be cut off in darkness. Eli's sons are bullying the people into submission with threats of force. But Hannah says in her prayer, it's not by might that one prevails. And in verse 10, those who go around making threats by force, the fact is those who oppose the Lord Will be broken to pieces look at how it plays out look look at verse 22 look at what eli's sons are doing now eli is very old he's probably given over the daily ministry to his sons but eli hears reports His his sons are sleeping with the staff. Now Eli was was very old and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving in the entrance of the tent of meeting. Even Eli calls what his sons are doing evil. Verse 23, I hear your evil dealings. Well, wait a minute, all of a sudden, you start to pull one of those tools out of your toolbox. We've just had the word here twice, in two verses. And then you start noticing that it's actually repeated a fair bit here, the words used in verse 22 and 23 and 24 and 25, they don't listen. They don't hear. Eli is talking to them. And they don't listen. They don't hear from Eli. They haven't listened to the Lord about the sacrifice. They haven't listened to their father about morality. They just don't hear. They're stubborn. Hannah had prayed about the wicked being cut off in darkness. At the end of verse 25, we see what the Lord plans to do about the wicked sons of Eli who don't hear. For it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Just like back in Leviticus. and how's that going to happen well it's told to eli by a man of god in verses 27 to 36 in verse 27 a man of god comes to eli this man of god says to old eli you've not honored me and you've become fat and lazy verse 29 Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? Verse 30, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, uh, there's going to be a disaster, here it is, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. And verses 31 to 34 give the the disaster. Eli's family will be decimated. And their ministry will come to an end. Look at verse 33. The time is coming when there'll be no one left of your family. They'll weep their eyes out as your family line is cut down. And what happens to Hophni and Phineas? Verse 34. And this shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phineas. It shall be a sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And the ministry of the priesthood it will be given to somebody else. Verse 35. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. It's just as Hannah prayed in verse 9. The Lord guards the feet of his holy ones, but the wicked will be cut off in darkness. But who then is this faithful one who the Lord guards? Well, it's Samuel. And look, as I've gone along there, I've skipped over the little bits of Samuel. So let's pick them up. Uh, Samuel. This small boy, at least he was at the beginning, the son of Hannah, the son that Hannah prayed for. I just want you to notice that you can track his progress as well. As the priesthood is brought down, Samuel is lifted up. Like in Hannah's prayer, chapter 2, verse 8, he raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. My pages have stuck together and my fingers won't separate them. And um, scattered among Eli and his son's story is the story of Samuel. There he is, chapter 2, verse 11. His parents have gone home, but the boy is ministering before the Lord under Eli the priest, just a small and insignificant boy. And again, in verse 18, after the description of the wicked sons of Eli, just like a refrain, but Samuel, chapter 2, verse 18, was ministering before the the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. And you can imagine the picture. I mean, here's this kid wearing a tiny priest's robe, that verse 19 says his mother would make for him. Every year, a little bigger. She'd bring it to the temple when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Year after year, slightly longer in the arms, slightly larger in the bodice. And as verse 26 The boy Samuel continues to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. And we see that through Samuel, God's actually going to reshape this nation, overturn the proud, lift up the humble, faithful ones who do serve the Lord. Which brings us to chapter 3. We get some more of the detail of the growing favor between the Lord and Samuel. Verse 1. It starts like in chapter 2, verse 11, with Samuel ministering to the Lord. It starts with Eli's son's hearing problem. The word of the Lord was rare. I mean, if no one's listening, then why would the Lord continue to speak? If everyone does what is right in their own eyes and ignores the Lord anyway, it starts with Samuel, like Eli's sons, not knowing the Lord. Have a look at verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And notice that the Lord was persistent with Samuel. You can read it. Four times the Lord called Samuel before Samuel responded appropriately. And the Lord tells Samuel the same thing the man of God told Eli. Uh, The result of all this is actually found in verse 19. Samuel grew... And the Lord was with him. Samuel knew the Lord. And the words of Samuel came true. Verse 20. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Samuel, a priest, he wears the ephod, and a prophet, everyone knew to hear the word of Samuel. He was a prophet of the Lord and his words were true. And perhaps the real takeaway from this passage, Samuel is the Lord's prophet and his words are true. Samuel has spoken, and I'm going to say, Samuel has even spoken to us, But do we listen? All Israel knew to listen, but do we? What? What has Samuel spoken to us, you say? Flip over Acts chapter 3. Have a look. A little comment about Samuel. Acts chapter 3. Have a look in the middle of the chapter. Look at verse 18, Acts chapter 3. There are prophets that are mentioned here, all of them, really. The prophets spoke of Christ, God's anointed king, that the king would sacrifice so that, well, we could be forgiven of our sins, verse 18. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Verse 19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And just so that you know that Samuel is definitely included here, look at verse 24. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel. There he is. He even gets a specific mention. God has fulfilled what Samuel said. God has spoken, but are you listening? Or are you being like a children, you know, fingers in your ear, la 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 la, can't hear you Israel had no king and the rich and the powerful they ruled wickedly Hannah knew that the king would come and that he'd put things right it's at the end of her prayer the end of chapter 2 verse 10 Samuel eventually proclaims and anoints that king we'll get there in the story but just now Just now, Samuel's been declared the prophet and that his words are true. So when he gets there, we've got to accept it, haven't we? And look, we live long after Samuel. We live long after Acts. And here's Acts telling us it happened. The real king came, the Christ, Jesus. And he died for your sins. And so today, let me say, with Qantas and Price Waterhouse Cooper and others, even with the rich and powerful squeezing you out, God has fulfilled His promises to send a king who will forgive and love you. And God calls you to love and serve that king in return. And the question really is, will you? The Lord looks for the humble and the faithful. I mean, that's really who Jesus was as well. Remember, he came as a small boy, perhaps a bit like Samuel. He grew up before everybody. But he grew up to die on a cross for our sins, my sins. Jesus did this to put everything right again. It may seem upside down, but that's how the Lord works. And so if you're feeling low, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling unimpressive, that's exactly where God wants to start with you. And he says, come to me. I will lift you up. Come now. Let me pray. Father, we uh, do thank you for all the ways that you love and care for us. We ask, Father, that you would strengthen and help us. We thank you that you've sent your King, that you've proclaimed him. Father, lift us up as we love and serve Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.